We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length, members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at slate.com slash prudipod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Dear Prudence. As always, I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg. Today's show was recorded live at the Bell House in Brooklyn on March 13th, 2019. I was joined on stage by Jezebel writer Jasmine Sanders. Now let's join the show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. To tell people how to live their lives. Yes. Do you feel like there is a theme to tonight's show or something that you want everyone to be able to take away from your advice? The theme from my advice, probably just like don't take it. Great. Um, A theme is feelings. Mm -hmm. So your your advice is going to be more like a thought exercise. Right. That people can choose to perform Mm -hmm. before making their own decisions. It's like a gentle suggestion. Gentle suggestion. Um, I'm so excited, especially because our first letter could use some gentle suggestions. Yeah. And I'm going to let you read it. Okay. The subject is nightmare nanny life. Dear Prudence, I am a college student working as a part-time nanny for a family with two young daughters, five and seven. I've been with the family for a few years and really care about the girls. Their mom is a single mother and definitely relies quite heavily on me, increasingly for emotional support. The daughters have significant behavioral issues, which I've worked hard to deal with in a patient and constructive way. Lately, however, it's become almost too much to handle. The daughters behave terribly, and I can't institute consequences because their mother doesn't follow through with them. The seven-year-old regularly throws screaming, kicking tantrums. She knows that she's behaving terribly, but she doesn't stop because she always gets away with it. She is angry and sullen when I'm there because she would rather be spending time with her mom, even though I try my best to engage her and make our time fun. She regularly tells me she hates me. I know she doesn't, but it still stings. I can't put her in timeout or take away her screen time because her mother doesn't do these things. She has bitten me, kicked me, and tried to run away from me. She lashes out at other adults and teachers while we're out, and it is humiliating to be so unable to handle her tantrums. Taking her to school is a knockdown, drag out fight. Her younger sister mirrors much of her behavior. Working with these kids is taking a huge emotional toll on me. I care about the family and know that the mother's life is difficult and stressful. She's also always been a good employer in other respects. Further complicating the situation is that I'm graduating college in two months and I don't know if I will be able to find another job to support me until starting a full-time position. I'm not sure what to do. Should I suck it up and stick it out at another job? Try to talk to the mother, stick it out at this job, try to talk to the mother about her parenting style and the way we work together, or leave for the sake of my mental health. So this one was in my inbox for a long time because generally, like I don't I don't have children. And so whenever I get a question about children, unless the answer seems incredibly obvious, I'm always just like, maybe it's normal for seven-year-olds to bite you a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Like that was part of my sense here. Like I could totally see myself being like, oh my God, she bites you. And then like a a parent, like they bite constantly. Like (laughs) seven is biting. Like that's just what. That's true. It's hard to know if you don't have kids, like what's normal child behavior. Yeah. So some of it certainly feels like a lot of the anxiety is like the, the nanny has not spoken to the mom about it much at all. Like, like, she's picked up on that the mom doesn't institute any, like, 
punishments. But other than that, she hasn't said like, by the way, this is really hard for me because the mom is like coming to her for a lot of emotional support. Um, so again, like this is hard. Like I, I know how to handle stuff where it's like the nanny diaries where it's like, and the parents are monsters and they're like made of marshmallows and cash and don't pay attention. Cause then it's like, oh, just be mad at them. But yeah, I do admire the confidence of her saying, she tells me she hates me, and then in parentheses, I know she doesn't. It's like, oh. That's really dude. good. Like, I don't know that I would have been there in college. Right? Like, if a child had said, I hate you, I would have been like, I need to just go internalize this. Same. So, <laughs> if it's you, your options are suck it up and just, like, keep doing this job until you leave for a full-time job somewhere else, saying nothing, uh, saying something to your employer, or quitting right away and hoping somebody else will hire you. Which of those options are you going to take? I would quit. <laughs> but that's also because like, I've never had a real career. So to me, a job is a job is a job. Like, you're going to work for the rest of your life. You can leave a job and find mm-hmm. another job, like, even if you just work at a coffee shop. So I don't understand why she hasn't quit. But I do understand like, having consideration for the mom. But mm-hmm. in my mind, can't, you just, can't she just get another nanny? Like, if I quit, won't she just get another nanny? Presumably. I don't know if it would be easy to. Like, she's a single mom who sounds really, like, overworked. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't get the vibe that she's, like, doing amazingly and would just be able to hire somebody, like, overnight. But um, I do do get the sense that, um, like, she is trying her best. But it's also like it's a job. Yeah. I, I, well, that's what's hard. Like, I always know when companies say we're like a family here, I always right. tell like writers, like, don't no. listen to that. That's no. awful. That is a lie. They are doing that to get more work out of you. But when there's an actual child and you're like, but I love this like unhappy seven-year-old. It and her is, younger sister. Yeah, and her younger sister. It's a lot harder to walk away than just like some guy who hired you and sucks. Okay. Um, yeah, I think my advice is still to quit. Yeah. I think my advice is talk to the mother and like, you know, quitting is going to happen eventually. Yeah. So I think my advice would be like, prepare to quit in the best way that you possibly can, which is like, I don't know, like you maybe can't get the mom to like follow through with the punishments that you institute, but you could at least try like, I don't know. I, this sounds like if someone's biting and you're like, I'm taking away your iPhone, that sounds like a recipe to get bit again. <laughs> so I just yeah. want to offer this with a grain of salt. Like if you try these things and they don't work <laughs> and the kid's just like, I'm, I don't care because I know my mom will give me back the phone. Um, and you talk to the mom and you're like, I'm having a really hard time with this. Can you help me out by like continuing these consequences and you don't get anywhere then yeah I think probably quitting is the next best option that you have because I don't want you to just get bit all the time yeah that's probably the most concerning part like if you could talk to the child and get her everything else it's like you can like if she could just stop biting you yeah I feel like it'll be a lot better but if she refuse if she refused to stop biting and the mother couldn't get her to stop biting everything else honestly like i feel like this is normal this is like what children do yeah i i i don't want to like make a ruling of like this is a a really unwell seven-year-old or this is super normal just deal but i guess what i would say is the question at the end kind of implies like should i either suck it up or leave for the sake of my mental health which is i think sometimes a framing that i get often which is sort of like Either I can't bring this up and I just have to deal with it, yeah. or I say, for the sake of my mental health, I have to leave right now before we've had any conversations about it or tried to find a compromise. And I, I obviously sometimes that does need to happen, but yeah. I want there to be room in the middle for, this is a problem for me. I am having a tough time with it. As you know, after graduation, I'm going to be looking for a job in a different field I'd love to stay for another couple of months, but if this continues, I'm not going to be able to. Let's talk about that. And plus that way, you know, the mom at least has a heads up that she yeah. should be looking for somebody okay, to... The, okay, I'll, I, 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 I'm on your team then. Like yeah. maybe talk to the mom first. Because I've definitely done that in my own life where I'm like, this is fine. This is not a problem. I can totally handle it. And then the day came when I was like, I can't handle this at all. And the first conversation I had with the other person was like, I can never do this again. And they yeah. were like, I'm surprised. And I'm like... Sorry to hear that. Um, so it's hard. But you, you got to try to talk about it with the mom because yeah. it's fine to say that you're having a hard time. You're not going to hurt her. I know she's been leaning on you a lot, but like she has to 
she can't just lean on you. Yeah, that's true. And then I guess children have such complex lives. Like maybe the mother really doesn't know that like when she leaves, the child is like a Chucky doll, <laughs> like <laughs> biting and kicking. <laughs> like when she leaves, yeah. she like turn comes alive and <laughs> maybe. So yeah, so, I guess like talk to her. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Okay, so two childless people did our best there. <laughs> I feel like we opened really seriously, like, at a disadvantage. And we're just going to move on to something that I think we're both very qualified to talk yes. about. Which mm -hmm. is, like, my friend is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I will read this one. Sometimes I am exhausting. Yeah. The subject is friend, not therapist. Um, I just want to, like... The language of, like, friend versus therapy is so... And pantomiming, like, wading into something for, for people who are later listening to this recording of just, like, it's really great sometimes to tell a friend when they're being too much. I feel like also you get to the other side where someone's like, hey, can I ask you a personal question? I promise I'll Venmo you. And it's like, no, 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 no. That is not the direction yeah. we need to take friendship. I, I think it's because of the internet. It's not a good thing, yeah. I don't think. Um, again, I'm not saying don't ever Venmo people. I just... We got to talk. Anyway, so here's the letter. <laughs> Dear Prudence, I have a friend that I think sometimes asks too much of me. For example, I once spent over two hours chatting with her exclusively about her problems and offering advice. Then I mentioned a problem of mine, and she abruptly stopped talking without addressing what I'd said or even thanking me for listening to her. It made me feel more like an unpaid therapist than a friend. I feel like our friendship consists of me listening to her problems or helping her without any reciprocation or gratitude. I feel like she acts... This person's doing a great job of saying, I feel, I feel like <laughs> you've been to therapy yourself. Yeah, she probably is a therapist. <laughs> I feel like she acts entitled to my help. When I mention a problem I'm having, often she just won't respond. But if I don't respond promptly to her, she'll usually get angry. I brought this up and she accused me of seeing our friendship as transactional. Is it transactional or wrong of me to want the friendship to be a little less one-sided? I mean, I definitely don't think you have a great friend. Um, Can we, like, let's be empathetic to the, the, the needy friend. Sure. I'm the, the needy friend. Yeah. <laughs> Not like to this, this is extreme. Like, she's Have you ever called someone transactional? No, but. That's like a level of I've insult I've never even considered. I've seen it on the internet. Yeah. So I feel like a part of like when we have like conversations about emotional labor and being aware of what you're asking for someone, I feel like the end, well, the a result has become, well, how much emotional labor did you do today? And like people being conscious of it, but it's kind of strange. It's tricky sometimes because yeah. like a topic can get introduced into yeah. like, the general conversation and then everyone kind of runs with it mm -hmm. and is like, is this what it means? Sure. And yeah. like, it can get real far afield sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. And so mostly I don't want to make a ruling about like, if you have a friendship, it needs to involve like X number of hours listening versus Y number right. of hours talking. 
Because different friendships are different and sometimes yeah. go through phases where you need a little more. Like, there's a difference between, like, the kind of friendship where you sort of intuitively, like, sometimes one of us gets the check, sometimes the other one doesn't, versus the friend who you know has money but it always, like, forgets their wallet and is like, well, you did actually help yourself to some of my tortilla chips at the house last week, so I would love it if you could pay for part of my groceries. And it's just like, yeah. well, this is not the spirit of the law. It's not. It's not. And... Yeah, I guess it depends on, like, your particular friendship chemistry. Like, I have friendships where I know that, like, I'm the needier friend. And then there's friendships where you're the, you're the, fr- you're the friend who gives more. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess it depends on the friendship makeup. And then when she called you transactional, I mean, my God. That seems like a great opportunity to say, like, thank you for letting me know. Good day to you. No, don't do that. I mean, I feel like this is probably not a friendship that is going to... I am assuming that this is not a friendship that is going to stand the test of time. Maybe it will. Maybe you two will get past this. Yeah, leave your jobs. Don't leave your friends. (laughs) That's my job. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) so bad advice. the, The feeling that I get from this one is how do I convince my friend that I'm right Mm -hmm. and make sure she doesn't get mad at me? Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that you have to figure out a way to make your peace with is like, if you have a friend who you think is mad at you for an unreasonable reason, how do you just let them be mad at you? Um, And for a certain type of person of which I count myself one, especially for a huge chunk of my life, if a friend was mad at me, it was like someone had implanted a bomb in my chest and set it to go. Like I have six hours to fix this or we all die. But, like, with this friend, it is okay if you have been talking for an hour to say, I would love to talk about something else now. (laughs) And if your friend is like, you monster, this is a transaction, why don't you just stab me with your checkbook? Yeah. (laughs) Then you can say, like, no, I'm going to go. But, yeah, if it's totally one-sided, acknowledge it. Um, If your friend blows up, say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but like, I, I, I don't want to have a friendship where all we do is listen to your problems. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I feel like I need more information. Like, how long have you been friends? You know what I mean? Like, is this like an old friendship where she occasionally falls into like these types of periods or maybe she just had a breakup mm-hmm. or is this like someone you met Thursday and you're like, wait, yeah, like, this is, this just went left, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't want to say, I, I feel like you can just maybe ask her like, Judith, um, can we talk about the, the imbalance? Yeah. And here? in fairness, I yeah. say this like every time I notice there's an imbalance in any one of my friendships, I'm like time to address it. Yeah. That is not what I do. If this were happening to me mm-hmm. and I felt like I want to keep this person in my life, um, I don't think that a like head-on conversation is going to go great. Probably what I would do is just be a little bit less available and spend more time with my other friends who do. T- what, what, you keep giving me this look of horror. Because it's what awful. I, I, I mean cutting down two-hour conversations to half-hour conversations. I don't mean like turning the <laughs> lights out in my home and hiding like when they come to the door. I just mean like cutting back a little. That feels extreme. <laughs> oh, all right, taking it from two hours to an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Like, okay. Give her, yeah, I feel yeah. like if it's incremental, I feel bad for this friend. Well, do you she think... She probably doesn't even know, like, that her friend, like, wrote Dear Prudence. Like, hey. Well, I'm I mean, feeling. I, think the, I think the friend does know that the person who wrote to us has a, a, a bone to pick. Yeah. Because they've talked about it, and, and their response was just like, you cash register of a friend transactional yeah so you know okay all right the options are do nothing do nothing say something say something be slightly less available on gchat or whatever people don't use gchat anymore i'm um do they i don't know so this is true when i changed my name I also got a new Gmail address Mm -hmm. and I just like forgot the password to the old one. And then it was like three factor verification. I could never remember. And then I like lost my laptop. So like long story short, I just don't have access to it anymore. Yeah. And so I have now like four people on my G chat list. 
And that's it. Like, I couldn't remember anyone else's email addresses. <laughs> so, like, my Gchat life is very sad now. Aww. And I can't really blame it on transitioning so much. Maybe you make like, yourself available for this friend. You know, clearly, I actually do have a lot of spare time to listen to people now. <laughs> so if this person wants to get in touch, I will happily listen to their two-hour problems. Yeah. So um, that's my suggestion, is, like, just to, like, try to talk it out first. And... Yeah. All right. I love it. it. Okay. I just like that I'm fighting finally. Yeah. With somebody cuz mm-hmm. usually usually it's too much agreeing. So this is good. Hey Slate listeners, I'm Christina Cotarucci, the host of Slow Burn, Gaze Against Briggs. I want to tell you about a special event we're doing at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City on June 13th. To celebrate this new season of Slow Burn and Pride Month, we're hosting an exclusive live taping of the show with special guests, including civil rights activist and Black Lives Matter organizer DeRay McKesson, comedian and singer Esther Fallick, Eric Marcus, the host of Making Gay History, and Sam Fader, director of the Netflix documentary Disclosure, about the depiction of trans people in film and television. We'll dive deeper into this season and talk about the lasting impact of the Briggs Initiative and the continued fight over LGBTQ rights in schools. It'll be the perfect way to celebrate Pride Month this June with LGBTQ stories and voices across generations. Again, that's June 13th at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash slow burn. Hope to see you there. So, the subject of our next letter... Is the future Mrs. Absent-Minded Professor, which just makes me think of um, the song An English Teacher's Wife, and that always makes me really happy because (laughs) Cheetah Rivera is the best. Okay, dear Prudence, I love my fiancé very much, and he's the sweetest man I've ever met. (laughs) How? That's never... (laughs) (laughs) Because you just know it's going to shit after that, like... It's gotten so bad that sometimes when people are like, I'm really excited for you to meet my boyfriend. Like, I love him. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, outside of an advice column letter, that's genuinely a good <laughs> sentiment. Yeah. It's but not going well. It's the kiss. It, this one's actually not so bad as it could be. He's, he, he's kind of sweet. However, he's very much an absent-minded professor. He's so easily distracted and is unaware of his surroundings. Mostly it's just small things, like not knowing you have to actually turn the engine on to defrost a car, or forgetting to lock the car while leaving his wallet and laptop inside. But other times he's hit my parked car, forgotten to turn on his headlights while driving at night, left our gas stove on, closed, closed doors as I was walking through. <laughs> it's... I'm just picturing Bella Swan at this point, by the way. Like, just. Like, he is a beautiful Bella Swan. Two Yeah. Like, he knocked you with a door. Mm. It's gotten to the point where if he is doing something that might present danger, I supervise him or ask him a lot of questions like, is the oven off? Did you lock the car? Stuff like that. And he's getting really annoyed about it. He's hurt by people assuming he's generally incompetent. It's his biggest sore spot. He wants me to back off. But Prudy, I want to live. (laughs) Can I just say, I love this audience. I love how responsive you all are. I feel so confident. I feel like I could say anything up here, which is a dangerous way to feel. Uh, we've had a couple of close calls in these years together, but one is all it takes. I'm so afraid, (laughs) so afraid that one day there's going to be an accident. Is it just my anxiety? Should I back off? What's another way of saying, honey, you need to face facts. I love you so much. And you are so competent, just not in this area. This is like, I kind of, is it like the sixth sense? Like, is she a ghost? He's like, you know, like he hits her with doors. Like, I don't understand. So I, I don't think this is necessarily the explanation, but it just feels like worth saying. Like, talk to a doctor about any possible, like, executive function disorders that could be affecting him. Again, I don't want to say, like, this is definitely a sign that you're, like, dealing with executive dysfunction. Like, but, uh, you know, anything that could have to do with, like, spatial awareness, 
um, certain like brain and nerve connections, like just get that all checked out, rule everything out. Um, make sure that that's not like a serious treatable thing that's causing this because that's worth checking out. Um, assuming you have health insurance. I hope you do. I hope you all do. Yeah, he's a professor. They have, mm-hmm. Yeah, if he's full, if he's a if he's a tenure track professor, he probably yeah, has health insurance. Yeah, maybe that's why she's staying. Yeah, so just go get that checked out. Awful. That's worth checking out. Um, and I've been. I am not a doctor. I do not know. I don't think it's a slam dunk. It could just very well be that he's yeah. absent-minded. I'm really absent-minded too. Do you ever slam doors in people's faces while they're walking behind you? No, it's more so like self-directed. Like I fall a lot, but I don't know. Like, why don't, yeah. So the only ones that are listed here that are like actually life-threatening are stuff like hitting a parked car. Cause like had someone. Did he hit a parked car? Yeah. He's hit my parked car. Oh, he hit her parked car. That's why I think she made her ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he forgot I, like, to turn on his headlights. Th- th- that that's not good. Um, left the gas stove on. So like a couple of these are like, girl. That's how you endanger. That's how you die. Um, <laughs> Maybe you can do like when. I lived with like my roommates. I'm really absent-minded, so maybe you can write like notes like on the stove. Like, don't forget to turn it off. Or like when he's leaving the door, there could be a sign like, "Don't forget your keys." Or yeah, I mean, I think if the price is that he's annoyed, that's okay. And I would say like, I get that you're annoyed, but like, and you know, until we can have like a sign that's like, "It's been a hundred days since our last incident." You know, yeah. I'm not doing this because I like correcting you or yeah. because I don't trust you. I'm doing it because, because it happens I don't trust you. <laughs> often enough that I, w- you know, yeah. I remember the time you left the gas stove on. I'd like yeah. to breathe air. <laughs> that feels really clear to me. Like, yeah, I would try to get some notes and like finger tags. Yeah. And yeah. And just like make it really clear. Like, I'm not doing this because I don't like you or because I think you're dumb but it does happen, and I want to engage with reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And don't let him drive, frankly. Like, I would just... Why does he still drive? Or, yeah, I would just, I would just be like, I'm going to drive. Or why does he... Like, why, does, why is he near the stove? Like, keep him away. <laughs> keep him away from, like, certain things. I, like, yeah, if his goal is to, like, never have to drive himself or cook a meal, like, he's doing all right. <laughs> um, this could be a long game. It's, it doesn't seem like it's in that category of like, but the laundry just gets folded so much better than when you do it. Um, but I'm always on the lookout for that. Yeah. Whenever I feel like someone's trying to get no, out of... No, he really seems like he's like a walking like Home Depot slip sign. You know, like those... Like hazard, you may fall. It's like yeah. your husband. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry that he gets annoyed when other people acknowledge the things that he's done. But... He's going to need to, like, he's going to need to find a way to deal with those feelings that aren't, like, everybody just let me hit cars. Oh, my God. And he's a professor. Like, imagine you're a teacher. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, imagine you're a teacher. Ugh. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the closing, open doors for him. From now on, walk a little bit in front of him. You open the doors. You be, you know, you just be like, honey, I'm really into chivalry right now, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, but even the fact that, like, you started with a compliment, like, I love him, and he's the sweetest man I've ever met, mm-hmm. and then you ended with, honey, I love you so much, and all of that stuff. I feel like she's probably the type of person who has tried to make this as gentle as possible. Yeah. And, and he's still super irritated. Yeah, he's really irritated. So and don't feel like the annoyance and the irritation is your problem to solve. Your main problem is to like, stay if alive. there's stuff that he habitually messes up that could be dangerous, state your comfort level and like don't go past it. Like if he has not been driving responsibly lately and you don't feel comfortable getting in the car, say it. And if he's like, don't be ridiculous. That's yeah, not an argument. That's, that's, like, what? It's not ridiculous. I remember how you drove yesterday. That's some nerve. He's getting really annoyed at them. Yeah. Like, 
some defensiveness is warranted. It just, to me, it takes me back to like when I went to like Christian college back when I was like a gal and I would like open doors and like if somebody was behind me, I would keep it open and almost all the time if a guy was behind me, he would be like, no, we can't do this. Like you and I are going to have to switch. Oh. (laughs) Just be like, what? Yeah. Seriously? But they'd be like, yeah, we're going to have to switch. And so we would have to switch and it would be less convenient for everyone. The opposite happens to me where it's happened a lot, especially since I moved to New York, where a guy will be going through a door and hold it for me. And I don't say thank you like quickly enough for his liking. So I'm like, you're welcome. And I'm like. So those are two ways to be bad at doors. (laughs) Men and doors. It's hard. It is. It's very strange. And now I, I feel like I'm in that phase where like sometimes men will like hold a door behind me and then like, wait, should I be holding the door? <laughs> like, I don't know if you deserve it yet. Like, and it's really great to watch them like try to figure it out. And then they're like, oh, yeah. they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep the door open. And they're like, no way, man. Like, it's, no homo. Like, it's really funny. No. <laughs> um, oh, this. Yeah, you That's get to read so this. Ridiculous. this I just feel one. like if it were a woman she would be like, I'm really sorry. And you would just talk about the fact that like one of you has to turn the stove off and one of you, you know what I mean? Like it would be much more collaborative, but because he's like a professor and is apparently sensitive. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got to figure out a way to deal with his feelings that don't involve asking other people to ignore reality on his behalf. Yeah. So I would say leave him notes and, like, write things. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. Hold the line. Um, This next one, I had not heard of this phenomenon. And when I got the letter, I was like, that's awful. I can't believe this. And I went and looked it up. And I found out that it was legal in 45 states. And I'm very upset. Yeah. Um, I'll read it. Thank you. (laughs) The subject is feeling assaulted. Dear Prudence, I am a single professional woman who considers herself independent and proud. Recently, I had shoulder surgery at a local hospital. The procedure went seemingly well, and I am recovering at home. However, while I was still in my hospital room, I noticed a fair amount of pain in my groin area, which didn't make any sense as the procedure did not involve a catheter or anything. When I asked my nurse about it, I was told that nothing would have been done to my vaginal area, but nonetheless, it hurt for the first day. Something didn't seem right. So I used the time to look on the internet for women with similar feelings after surgery. Imagine my surprise, no, utter astonishment, when I discovered multiple articles about how common, quote, pelvic exams under anesthesia without consent are performed on unsuspecting women, apparently just like me. Prudy, I'm beyond disgusted, I'm outraged. After reading the articles, it all makes sense. Someone, I'm pretty sure he was a medical student, did introduce himself right before surgery, and now I believe he violated me, as that's what apparently happens. Or maybe more that just him, as I hurt pretty badly inside, and apparently students will even take turns, and I wasn't even at a teaching hospital. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to call the police, my attorney, or my congresswoman. I have an appointment with my surgeon where I am going to ask what happened, but I'm scared that the anticipated answer will only make me more disgusted and angry. Shouldn't this be illegal? Part of HIPAA? No one asked me for my permission to do this. Yeah, that, that one I found like so shocking. And then yeah. when I looked it up and like other people had, re- there was like a, an article about it in Forbes, which I had not anticipated. Um, and they were just like, yeah, it's legal in 45 states. Um, and a number of people have talked to their doctors about it and their doctors have said like, yeah, we do it. Um, and I'm just really sorry like that was my main response is just like I wish so much that I could say to this letter writer like you have the following five recourses that you can turn to right now yeah. and we can guarantee that this will never happen again um, I'm, I'm really glad that the letter writer is going to talk to her surgeon yeah. um, I think bring someone with you Mm-hmm. Um, both so that you can have like a witness on hand um, and also who can just maybe because this sounds really really intense who can take notes um, and kind of like keep a record of how the conversation goes so you don't have to worry about like both staying present in the moment and keeping a record in case you do want to eventually you know talk to a lawyer or, or like talk to your congressperson to see about changing those laws um, because I think you should have to ask before you do an exam on, like that just feels so, yes, bananas, horrible. 
It does. Um, and I think having somebody with you that you trust um, and who you know can both like help provide you with emotional support so it's not just you and some defensive surgeon um, alone in a room, um, but also then like who can help you talk through your options of like, certainly if you want to see a therapist, certainly if you want to talk to a lawyer and see if there's like any local groups who are trying to get that law changed in your state. Yeah. Maybe look up states that have had that changed and see what the process was there. Um, yeah. I agree. I completely understand feeling like violated and like something happened to your body while you were in such a vulnerable state without your permission. It was kind of appalling to realize that it's legal. Yeah, everything about that was just like, you, you, you can see in the history of medicine how that was like a decision that got made. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like devastating and upsetting that that hasn't yet been changed. Um, and I'm just like really, really hopeful that this particular person is able to like get some traction because it sounds like she's just like ready to like talk to people about it and and I hope very much that like she's met with support and understanding and help um and that this fucking changes I hope so too yeah yeah I, I think that one's pretty straightforward I don't I don't know that I have anything else other than just I'm so sorry yeah. um and and it'll also be good maybe to talk to other people who have experienced it too so that you can um talk to someone who's been through the same thing so you don't feel so alone let's let's take the next letter um just good old-fashioned fighting with your grandma. Yeah. Um, subject is family war. Dear Prudence, growing up, I lived with my grandmother and her two adult children. I was mostly raised by my aunt, who had a habit of taking in strays and was close to both her and my grandmother, but not my uncle. My uncle uh, took completely over her basement and her back porch. He only paid the cable bill so he could watch TV, never helped out with the rest of the bills. He let his kids do whatever they wanted, despite my aunt's complaints, including heavy partying and drug dealing. He lived off of his sister and his disability checks. We were also constantly bullied by him, but my grandmother would insist, he's just got a mean sense of humor. I love, by the way, how often the defense of, like, someone does something awful is, well, they do it a lot. <laughs> he's just mean. So, like, oh, this person really hurt my feelings. Oh, yeah, he makes a habit of that, so obviously... He's Nothing just, to be done. He's just got me. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Had it happened only once, of course we would yell at him, but he does it every day. Um, <laughs> my aunt would cry about how badly she was treated and how desperately she wanted him to leave, but couldn't because my grandmother insisted that she would go with him. Three years ago, my aunt passed away. She left her home and her car to me, infuriating my uncle. He insisted that because he fixed things and mowed the yard, the home should have gone to him. I immediately threw him out. He wasn't going to abuse and sponge off of me while I paid the bills and rent. My grandmother once again declared she would follow him. Unlike my aunt, I told my grandma she was making a mistake, but I wouldn't stop her. I just, when we were reading this backstage, I was like, I have never told my grandma she was making a mistake. That is, that is a bold letter writer. I'm, yeah. I am impressed with your ability to engage in conflict. She went. I haven't stopped speaking to her, but I'm not close to her anymore. She now lives with my uncle in his daughter's home. I don't visit. I rarely call. I miss her dearly, but my estrangement has also given me a sense of relief because I no longer have to deal with my uncle's abuse. Am I wrong here for not wanting to reach out? Do I have to make up with them because they're family? I kind of appreciate hearing from somebody who did the, like, I'm trying out estrangement to see how it works because I often hear from people who are considering it and not so often from people who are kind of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of exciting. It is. Yeah. Mostly it seems like your life is better. You just feel guilty. And the question is like, do I let that guilt lead me to do something I don't want to do? Or do I find another way to deal with it? Yeah. I mean, kudos to you for standing up to like elder family members. You know, it's different. Like you can fight with like your cousins and your sisters. She like told her grandma to go. That's bold. <laughs> yeah. Her grandma and her uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that when she said he insisted because he fixed things and mowed the yard, the home should have gone to him. Like I did the hydrangeas. Yeah, <laughs> the house just, is mine. Yeah, just like how if you like get a chance to mow someone's lawn the first day of spring, they're like, "Damn it, it's yours now." 
yeah, I mean, things just get so messy when someone dies. Yeah, yeah, and like inheriting property is always like fraught. No matter how small of an inheritance it is. Oh yeah, it always. Just it's like I always out. loved that Bazooka Joe comic. Yeah, and I must have it. Um, so I guess okay. Your primary questions are: Am I wrong here for not wanting to reach out? No, you're not wrong. Do I have to make up with them because they're family? No. No, yeah. That's super easy. That's super easy. And I think too, like, you don't, like, your grandmother is clearly doing okay. Like, he's always had a soft spot for her, apparently. He was like yeah. a dick to you and your aunt, but your grandma seems to get along with him great. So mama. it's not like. She's probably like him. Yeah, it's not like you have to worry, like, oh, she's not well. Like, she's where yeah. she wants to be. And so it's not like you're not protecting her or not keeping her safe. Um, and the question really just now is like, how do I deal with my guilt over the fact that my life is now like appreciably better? Like I kicked my grandmother out of my house and my life got better. I feel like a monster. Yeah, I would feel pretty bad. Yeah. Especially cause that's what you were used to, but like she's where she wants to be. Um, you two are able to maintain like some kind of like how are you? What's going on? Like, okay, I'll talk to you in another couple of weeks. So it's not like you have no idea what she's up to or how you're doing. Um, so the question is really just like, what do I do with my feelings of guilt besides give in? Yeah. I do feel like there's really only two varieties of grandmother. There's like, you know, a lovely old grandmother that just like loves you and bakes mm -hmm. and is like the light of your life. And then there's like that old bitch. Like, <laughs> and... I, I loved my grandmother, but I frequently meet people who like really don't like their grandmothers, and it's so alien. I think there are probably many kinds of grandmother. Yeah. But often I do get letters from people where they have one grandmother who's very, very nice and one grandmother who's very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't want to make any guesses about whether or not this grandmother in particular bakes or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, like... He's fine. He lives with his daughter. She's fine. She lives with, with her, her kid. Son. So, you know, you didn't put anybody out on the street. Um, nobody is like, I don't know, getting like their parked car hit. <laughs> like everyone's doing fine. I will say that the acceleration from he only paid the cable and watched TV and he didn't pay bills, like... You know, it was kind of just like, oh, he's just an uncle. And then it was like heavy partying and drug dealing. <laughs> the, the drug dealing. I, yeah, I mean, maybe they were, there's, there's a lot of ways to be a drug dealer, just as there right. are a lot of ways to be a grandmother. Yeah. Um, and kind of the same thing where like the, the part about like being a jerk to everyone else in the house and like acting entitled, not great. The right. fact where he's like receiving disability checks, I am fine with that. Yeah. That's not something that you need to like add into the like category of stuff you don't like. That's yeah. fine. That's what we have disability checks for is for people to receive that money. Yeah. But there's plenty of reasons. I, th I think really the question is, I'm so used to my home being a place where I feel guilty, yelled at, and like belittled that mm -hmm. now that I have peace and quiet in my home, it makes me nervous and feel like I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's like going to be the problem of a lifetime is figuring out how to feel good when you feel safe. And, you know, therapy is really good for that. Journaling is really good for that. Talking to people who love and trust, like that you can trust and who want you to be well is good for that. Sometimes just like naming your feelings and saying, right now the house is quiet and no one in here hates me. I don't know how to enjoy that. Yeah. And practice enjoying little things like making yourself a cup of tea and saying, mm -hmm. like, it's quiet in my house. Yeah. I deserve that. Alone. Yeah. But that's just going to take some time. Because that's I not agree. what home feels like to you. Home feels like an asshole who took over the whole porch and hates you. That's home. How big was the porch? Like, she said he took over the, he took the, over basement, the basement and, the, and porch. the porch. I'm just picturing, like, again, I don't know why I keep going to Home Alone, but, like, the old Game Boy Home Alone, there was, like, that whole basement section where, like, <laughs> there were all the, like, little tacks you'd have to jump over. And I'm just picturing, like, those were the two parts of the house that were just, like, littered with dead yeah. things and, like, um, little Tetris packs or whatever. That's Pete's part of the house. Yeah. So no, you, you get to enjoy this peace and quiet and you get to use that to work through difficult feelings about what you deserve. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you should do with the guilt, not call and apologize because you want them to come home and be mad at you. 
Oh boy. So when I sent these questions to Jasmine, I said, I think this one is almost certainly fake, but I don't care because I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't usually have this reaction to letters. I don't normally think stuff is fake. If I have any reason to suspect that it is, I don't run it. Sometimes I'm wrong, whatever. But like this one, I was like, either this is not at all true or this is the most exciting workplace in the world. It is. And yeah. I don't mean exciting in a good way. I mean like season three <laughs> of the OC, like Julie Cooper Bad Girls Club. running the magazine. Sorry, she was running the magazine in season two because Caleb died at the end of season two and so the magazine went on. I didn't watch the OC. I did love The Hills. I never watched The Hills. I only watched The OC. Yeah, I didn't like The OC. Would you read this letter, please? Yeah. <laughs> Subject, secret recorder. Dear Prudence, my supervisor often says misogynistic things to me, so I have been secretly recording our conversations. At first, I never planned to share them. I kept them for myself as proof that I'm not blowing things out of proportion. I recently recording him, recorded him saying some pretty awful things about his own boss, supposedly having an affair. In his telling, the woman involved, Lori, threatened to file sexual harassment charges against the boss, Eric, if he did not endorse her for a promotion. And my supervisor said that he was thinking about giving Eric a heads up, a bro to bro that people are talking about it. He says that women can seduce men and then just make up lies and ruin a man's career. More context. I don't think this rumor is true. Eric is a devoted family man. Lori is smart and wonderful and absolutely deserves her promotion. I think my supervisor is jealous of both Eric and Lori and is motivated to smear their character because he wishes he had either of those jobs. Yes, he actually said that. Those were his words. See why I needed to record this to prove it is true? I tried reaching out to Lori. She works in a different office than me, so I sent her a message saying I'd love to talk to her in person. She hasn't responded. I think she knows she is a topic of gossip in my office and she doesn't know that she can trust me. I think I have three options left. <laughs> One, I could stay out of this. Avoid getting in trouble over my secret recordings. <laughs> I'm obviously in a workplace that would prioritize my sexist supervisor over me. Two, I could speak to Eric and hope that he is angry enough at my supervisor to do something to him and not angry enough at Lori to take it out on her. Three, I could use these... <laughs> <laughs> I could use these recordings to blackmail my supervisor. <laughs> blackmail is my favorite plan. <laughs> because I really want to choose our new intern. <laughs> this would be my only chance to influence the selection. Of all the applicants, the smartest and most qualified intern also happens to have a disability. My supervisor is going to exclude that applicant just because of the disability. Sharing the recordings could hurt feelings and might not even make a difference. But using them as blackmail might actually help this one intern get his foot in the door and change the culture of our workplace. I love that you've gone from blackmail to I just really want to change the workplace. <laughs> she has a heart of gold. Yeah, oh man. No, by the end she's like, well obviously you gotta do it. I mean, if it changed the culture. I, Thank you for reading that, by the way. <laughs> 
I think you should blackmail too, but I don't understand how you're going to blackmail without also like getting possibly fired. It's like, oh, I recorded your conversation. More than possibly like, fired. You... Like, I don't know what state this person is writing from, yeah, but like, in a lot consent. of states, you have to get somebody else's permission before yeah. it's admissible in, say, a court of law. Um, and so you would not just get in like a little trouble at work. You could get in like legal trouble potentially. Um, I just, I love this letter. Yeah. I'm so grateful. I love that she's like, I, I, I wasn't intending to share the recordings. I just needed them for myself. But blackmail, the opportunity for blackmail has arisen. Coincidentally. Yeah. And she's considering taking it. And I think you should. I think you should definitely, the poor intern though, like, um, That's no pressure, right? Like, by the way, you're going to change this shit around. Office, but <laughs> as an intern, you're going to fix it all. Like, you are the chosen one. The slate is clean. The slate is clean. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of pressure to put on an intern. So just assuming this is a real workplace. <laughs> with... I, uh, Hofton Mifflin. Like the, yeah, this the, is definitely... Um, so I think option one is part of a good response. Um, I think not blackmailing is a really good idea. I don't, I do not think that, like, blackmailing gets you closer to somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, blackmailing isn't the sort of thing that you do when you want to get distance from someone. Like, yeah, I want to be less involved in your life. So, anything that gets you, like, more in a daily correspondence with your supervisor is bad. Yeah, I feel like we've lost the plot, which was, like, your supervisor is saying misogynistic things to you. I feel like the biggest part of the plot actually is reporting like the the fact that you know your supervisor is planning on not hiring somebody based on their disability, That's which true. is illegal. You yeah. can report that to the relevant I should know what board it is. Does anyone know what board you would report this to? HR. No, 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 like the state, like a government. Oh, I don't know. Thank you. EOC. Equal, yes. Equal oppor- equal I should know this. Equal Office of Equal Opportunity. Yes. yes. Make that Call report. Call those girls. Yeah. Document the hell out of this. Make that report. Let them investigate. That is something that, you know, th- like a, a bigger agency should come in. Yes. And, and do some paying attention to this. Okay. So that's your number one. So like, your number one is um, the, that. The fucking ableism. Yes. Yes. That's number one. And then number two is that your boss is misogynistic. Or has says misogynistic things. Yeah, your boss is a monster. Your boss is awful. In which case, like, if you have an HR department, go to them. Again, it may not work out great, but it's better than blackmailing him. <laughs> That's better. And again, don't tell HR you've been recording him. <laughs> don't tell anyone you've been doing that. Yeah. Just, like, tell them what he has said. Like, r- pretend you've been taking notes the whole time. Like, write down what you have on the recorder and then get rid of that and then just say, like, I have my boss on record saying all these awful things. I think he shouldn't say these things. And again, same thing, like, saying wildly sexist thing should, in theory, not be allowed. Uh, Um, leave poor Lori out of it. Oh, you're right. I got missed, like, that weird, like, hey, can we talk sometime? Like... (laughs) But that was bad judgment. She hasn't what? responded. I think she's like, girl. Like, yeah, know. like someone I don't work directly with has so like. You probably, not... Everyone probably knows this person is a mess. I'm so sorry. But like, they're probably like, no, that's. that's... Oh, yeah. No, this person. She records conversations. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you. Like, I'm, it's, it can't be subtle. Like, there's always that little, like, ding. <laughs> like, of a, an iPhone starting to record a voice memo. It's literally like this. Like, yeah. she has like a microphone. And what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Lori is definitely correctly getting a vibe from you. <laughs> that you Wait, are, love, and she says that I think she knows she is a topic of gossip, and she doesn't know that she can trust me. Like Lori, I don't you know that she can't her. trust you. Lori, don't trust her. Yeah, she's gonna record you. So I don't know. I feel like staying out of it is. You're not the type of person who's gonna stay out of it. Like you've recorded people, so that's. Um, two, I could speak to Eric and hope that he's, that's also kind of, you're just manipulating and like to, I could speak to Eric and hope that he's angry enough at your supervisor to do something to him, but not angry at Lori and also not angry at you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think 
yeah, th- this will hopefully give you enough like grist for the part of you that wants to do something, which yeah. is like go to HR and tell them all the crazy shit your boss says about just women in general. Because Lori and Eric are both apparently doing fine, I don't <laughs> think you need to introduce, you have enough material on him that you don't need to be like, by the way, I don't think they had an affair, but people are saying they had an affair. You, you should look into it, but it I don't me. think they did. And you tell Lori she can trust me. <laughs> like, no good would come out of that. All it would do would be like to increase the gossip about them, which like supposedly you don't want to. Like, and you do. You want, you want to. to so were bad. you the source of the rumor that they were having an affair? Yeah, I mean, again, She's, I think you're better than yeah. your boss, but. The issue is your boss. Yeah. Like, the issue stay is your focused boss. on that. He's like ableist and potentially excluding a perfectly qualified candidate who you think could turn this all Yeah, around. he's super sexist. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, that like, you think the intern is going to have the power the intern. to like fix your boss. I, I just imagine this person showing up to work yeah, like, with what like, are a my recorder yeah. and like her fucking G-chats contacting Lori and being like, but what's going to change this is this intern. Just like day one, you will need to wear a wire. <laughs> Don't tell anyone else I told you this. And also, <laughs> yeah. if Lori does, if Lori trusts you, you tell Lori that I said Oh my, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Leave Lori alone. Do not try to follow up there. Report your boss. Start also while you're doing this. Like, you're reporting stuff to, you know, I've already, EOC. You're reporting stuff there. You're reporting stuff to HR. HR. In addition, look for another job. I feel like if I wrote back to this person and said, have you considered looking for another job? I would get back the professional equivalent of like, I love my fiance, which is like, well, when this shit isn't happening, it's a really great job. You have a horrible job. (laughs) If you have been reduced to this, you are not living your best life. But can you imagine being the intern who like doesn't know that this is what you're expected to do for like, and like, she's probably a, what if this intern is the one, like the nanny girl, like you're trying to leave your one bad job fresh out of college. (laughs) And you're like, okay, I'm going to get this internship. (laughs) No one's going to bite me anymore. (laughs) But, and then you show up and the person, the the, the one person you thought might be okay is like, so I've been secretly recording everyone (laughs) in the office. And I need you to find Lori for me because she doesn't know we're best friends yet. I need you to tell Lori that everyone else is saying that she's having an affair. Not me, but lots of other people. I mean, like, think through what you would want to say to Lori. It would either be, do you know that everyone says you're having an affair? Don't worry, I don't believe it. Which is a contentless sentence. Like, all it does is hurt her feelings. It does not give yeah. her anything useful to do. It hurts her feelings. Or it's, by the way, you should know I've been secretly recording my boss. <laughs> That's just a burden you have now. <laughs> not good. Oh I my love God. this. Yeah. Thank you for writing me this letter. Yes. Um, thank you for giving me the sentence, blackmail is my favorite plan. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Production assistance was by Taylor Simmons. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute, tops. Thanks for listening. And on today's plus segment... Sometimes, especially if someone's being this unreasonable, the thing that they, they, they don't listen to argument. They don't listen to like, you're hurting me. What they listen to is consequences. Yeah. And it's sort of like, like when like the, the dog whisperer was a thing. And I feel like a big part of his thing was like, don't give the dog the negative reaction. And then a lot of us were like, oh great, I'm going to apply that to people for sure. Yeah.
sometimes moms like feed on fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like wanting to get a response out of you, wanting to like just get anything out of you. And if you're just sort of like, I will talk to you at a later date when I feel ready to. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash prudipod. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.